Book Two, Chapter Six of the History of Pompey the Little. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of Pompey the Little, or the Life and Adventures of a Lapdog, by Francis Coventry. Book Two, Chapter Six, in which several things are touched upon. When this great affair was over, the marriage came next upon the carpet, the celebration of which was fixed for Easter week, but Mr. Chase, recollecting in time that it would interfere with Newmarket races, procured a reprieve till the week following. At his return from those Olympic games, the nuptials were celebrated before a general assembly of their relations, and the happy couple were conducted to bed in public with great demonstrations of joy. The bridegroom took possession of the bride, and Sir Thomas took possession of Mr. Chase's estate. When they had shown their new clothes a little in London, they set out in a body for the country, and in a few days afterwards the lodgings on the first floor were taken by a lady who passed under the fictitious name of Mrs. Carroll. The hasty manner in which she made her agreement infused a suspicion into our milliner from the very beginning and many circumstances soon occurred to persuade her that her new lodger was a wife eloped from her husband. For besides that she came into her lodgings late in the evening, she seemed to affect a privacy in all her actions, which plainly evidenced that she was afraid of some discovery, and this increased our milliner's curiosity in proportion as the other seemed less inclined to gratify it. But an event soon happened to confirm her conjectures for three days after the lady's arrival, a chair stopped at the door one evening near ten o'clock, from whence alighted a well-dressed man about forty years old, who, wrapping himself up in a red cloak, proceeded hastily upstairs, as if desirous to conceal himself from observation. This adventure savored so strongly of intrigue, that it was no wonder our milliner contrived to meet him in the passage, to satisfy her curiosity with a survey of his features. For people, in whom that passion predominates, often find the greatest consolation from knowing the smallest trifles. Pompey was still more inquisitive than his mistress, and took courage to follow the gentleman into the dining-room, with a desire, I suppose, of hearing what passed in so fashionable an interview. The lady rose from her chair to receive this man of fashion, who saluted her with great complacence, and hoped she was pleased with her new apartments. "'Yes, my lord,' answered she, "'the people are civilized people enough, and I believe have no suspicion about me. But did they see your lordship come upstairs?' "'Pon my honor, ma'am,' said the peer, "'I can't tell. There was a female figure glided by me in the passage, but whether the creature made remarks or not, I did not stay to observe.' Well, madame, I hope now I may give you joy of your escape, and I dare say you will find yourself much happier than you was under the ill usage of a tyrant you despised. The lady then related, with great pleasantry, the manner of her escape, and the difficulties that attended the execution of it, after which she concluded with saying, I wonder, my lord, what my husband is now thinking on. Thinking on, answered the peer, that he's a fool and a blockhead, I hope, madame, and deserve to be hanged for abusing the charms of so divine a creature. Good God! Was it possible for him to harbor an ill-natured thought, 
while he had the pleasure of looking in that angelic face? My lord, said the lady, I know I have taken a very ill step in the eye of the world, but I have too much spirit to bear ill usage with patience, and let the consequences be what they will, I am determined to submit to them, rather than be a slave of the ill humors of a man I despised, hated, and detested. Forbear, madame, said his lordship, to think of him. My fortune, my interest, my sword, are all devoted to your service, and I am ready to execute any command you please to impose on me. But let us call a more agreeable topic of conversation. Soon after this a light but elegant supper was placed upon the table, and the servants were ordered to retire, for there are certain seasons when even the great desire to banish ostentation. The absent husband furnished them with much raillery, and they pictured to themselves continually the surprise he would be in, when first he discovered his wife's elopement. Nor did this man of gallantry and fashion finish his amorous visit till past two o'clock in the morning. As he was going downstairs, he found himself again encountered by the barking of little Pompey, whom he snatched up in his arms, and getting hastily into the chair that waited for him at the door, carried him off with him to his own house. This accomplished person was Lord Marmozet, husband to that lady who was so familiar and intimate with the sharper at Bath. He was a man of consummate intrigue, a most fortunate adventurer with the fairer sex, and had the reputation of uncommon success in his amours. What made this success the more extraordinary was, that in personal charms he had nothing to boast of. Nature had given him neither a face or figure to strike the eyes of women, but these deficiencies were abundantly recompensed by a most happy turn of wit, a very brilliant imagination, and extensive knowledge of the world. He had the most insinuating manner of address, the readiest flow of language, and a certain art of laughing women out of their virtue, which few could imitate. It was indeed scarce possible to withstand the allurements of his conversation, and what is odd enough, the number of affairs he had been concerned in, were so far from frightening ladies from his acquaintance, that on the contrary it was fashionable and modish to cultivate an intimacy with him. They knew the danger of putting themselves in his way, and yet were ambitious of giving him opportunities. The lady we have just now seen with him had been his neighbor in the country, a very handsome woman under the tyranny of an ill-natured husband. This his lordship knew, and concluding that her aversion to her husband would make her an easy prey to a lover, watched every opportunity of being alone with her. In these stolen interviews he employed all his eloquence to seduce her, and won her so much by his flattering representation of things, that at length she courageously eloped from her tyrant, and put herself into private lodgings under the protection of his lordship. The reader need not be told that this ended in the utter ruin of the lady, who finding her reputation lost and her passionate lover soon growing indifferent, took refuge in citron waters, and by the help of those cordial lenitives of sorrow, soon bade adieu to the world and all its cares. End of Book 2, Chapter 6